Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, we got into the conversation earlier as to whether... Oh, there's a scuffle. Whether or not um, we overall are, are sleeping on the Texans a little bit. And it's funny because I, I do think, like, we've had people call in and say, well, but C.J. Stroud. But I think once you get to, like, Derek Stingley was just the um, AFC Defensive Player of the Month, which is which is funny because, like, they actually do have a weak secondary. It's just they also have Derek Stingley. Like, I don't know how you can have two perennial Pro Bowl players in uh, – caliber players in the future, Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley, and still have kind of a thin secondary, but they do, as we remember from Amari Cooper's big day. Now, they, I, I was told by my dudes in Houston, they they guaranteed it to me today that Amari Cooper is not going to have the same game, which uh, what, what they meant was he's not going to have a good game this time around because they're ready for Amari Cooper. And I, I called shenanigans. Yeah, you got to come across this table and yeah, got to turn your microphone there, buddy. It's on, man. You say shenanigans one more time, we'll come over there and you know pimp that ass out. All right, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. You said it, not me. Oh, that was a different time. You're taking me out of oh, context. Eight minutes ago, was it taking me out of context? I said it. There's much no context ge- in media. I, 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 gen- I was ask Aaron Rodgers. It's a gentle thing. I'm also curious just to ask. Noah, whether he thinks this game is this specific game is more about Joe Flacco or the Browns defense, because it's funny. Like big picture, I listen. I think the Browns defense has to be who they were or close to it for the first ten weeks of the season for them to make a magical run, and I think that's almost non-negotiable. Yeah, but in this game, because of where Houston has weaknesses both on the ground and and uh, you know in some and some parts of their secondary, I think it's a real conversation. Between Flacco and and the Browns defense, uh, yeah. I mean, how how do you see it? Um, I think there's an opportunity for Joe Flacco to extend his Cleveland legacy and go out there and put up some points on on the Texans. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think there's a chance that if Joe Flacco can get a win, or if he takes his team to the AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. like. Dude goes down like is in like all time legend in Cleveland. 
and he'll have been here for like eight games. I kind of think it even starts with just a playoff win. And I I, 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 I hate it recoiled as I even said that. But I think just winning this weekend in that Flacco local legend, the Flacco magic, I think, really starts to spiral out of control. And we probably lose perspective on what a great run this is. And we probably go full on homer for Joe Flacco. But to go ahead and talk about this game, uh, our next guest will join Todd Blackledge and Catherine Tappan on the call of the Browns-Texans AFC wildcard game at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday on NBC and Peacock. Following the Browns-Texans, the Chiefs host the Dolphins at 8 p.m. exclusively on Peacock in a game that will be called by Noah's NBC Sports colleagues Mike Tirico and Jason Garrett and Noah Eagle now joins us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Noah, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Well, I, I don't know if you're watching the uh, the Nets and Cavs in Paris, but I just want to say there was just an on court dust up. I hope that doesn't. I hope this doesn't come out on air where all of a sudden we got a beef with you now. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like this is like a beef Wellington. I'm gonna go full European here. I'm feeling <laughs> like a full baking of beef that's stewing up right now. But I'll see how I feel by the end of the interview. We'll put it on simmer just for a moment. I. I'm curious your perspective on Flacco Magic. Five great games here, 300-yard games. I think it's 13 passing touchdowns. Uh, how how do you quantify what Joe Flacco has done to this point? No, it's magical. It really is. It's the the Lin Sanity. It's the any of those crazy runs. But I think that it's legitimate at the same time. And a lot of that goes to his experience. A lot of that goes to to the history that he has within the NFL and. Obviously, the Super Bowl MVP is one thing. He has tied Tom Brady already coming into this with the most road victories as a starting quarterback in the postseason in NFL history. So if you're in any conversation with Tom Brady already, you feel pretty good. And then you take it where it's road playoff victories in the history of the league and nobody else has had more. To me, that tells us that we probably underappreciated him for a long time, and a lot of that has to do with probably the last four or five years of his career and some of the stops that he's made, but he's found a home. He's found a great running mate, both in Kevin Stefanski and David Njoku and Amari Cooper and an offensive line that despite losing their two starting tackles has played very well and remained pretty strong. So it just feels like the right situation and the hope from an NFL fan's perspective, I'm sure is that this magic continues. From the Browns' perspective, is this game, is this weekend more about Joe Flacco or is this more about the Browns' defense? Well, I think it's always going to be about the Browns' defense. I think rationally, take the emotion and take the intrigue of what Flacco has done out of it. Just what has gotten them to this point. Even before Joe got here, it was the defense. The best defense in the NFL, best pass defense, best rush defense. The two ends are absolute game wreckers. The secondary, despite being piecemealed at points this season themselves, has played really, really well. They haven't allowed a whole lot of explosive plays, and that'll continue. I think that Jim Schwartz deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done with this unit, but it still does go down to the players. And when you've got Miles Garrett leading the way and Zadarius Smith doing what he's done all season and Dalvin Tomlinson coming in and kind of the, the, the different additions that they had brought in, Taki Taki having – a career year, you know, Usu Koromoa being one of the best linebackers in the NFL this year. It just feels like all the pieces are in the perfect place and the numbers back it up. So it's always going to be about the defense, at least to me, just because I think that's what their anchor is, and rightfully so. 
But the fun story is still the Flacco side of things. And, and he is going to be potentially what pushes them over the top because it does feel like the main matchups in this game are going to be both teams, two tackles against both teams, two edge rushers, mm-hmm. you know, Houston, they, they gave up a lot of draft capital to go up and get Will Anderson for this specific reason. And you've got Grenard on the other side who has had a, a really sensational season himself. So you've got two legitimate edge rushers against two, in, you know, backup tackles, sure, but they've played very well and they've, they've held up very well. And you've got a, an older quarterback against a younger quarterback, but you've got arguably the best edge rusher in the game on the other side against maybe the best left tackle in the game in Laramie Tunsil. So I think that is probably where this game is won or lost, and that really starts with the Browns' defense. No, you think this this game could be a shootout? <laughs> I hope so. That's better for me. Oh, I know. I like, calling, for you. I like calling points. Yeah, yeah no calling doubt. But I mean, is great. I, I guess my question would be, I mean, can Flacco win a shootout against C.J. Stroud? Yeah, I mean, I think he's proven that already. I think he's proven that he can throw for 300, 400 yards with this team. He's proven, obviously, he can go to Amari Cooper in the last matchup with these two teams for a franchise record in yards. He's proven that David Njoku has taken a legitimate step forward to be a Pro Bowl tight end. So he's got the weapons. The running game will always be there. We know Kevin Stefanski's never going to just abandon the run. So if they need to win a time of possession battle, they're they're equipped to do so, and they're capable of doing so. Uh, but it, it'll be different, I think, than the first matchup with these two teams. Obviously, Stroud's in there. They get some more defensive guys back. They're going to be a lot more whole than they were when these two teams faced off about a month ago. And so can they win? Absolutely. I mean, Flacco has proven that he can win a variety of ways. I think this team has proven that, and they're going to make stops in opportunistic moments. But uh, it's easier said than done against this Houston team. I think C.J. Stroud if you haven't watched them yet this year, and last week may have been the first time a lot of people did because it was their first time not in the 1 o'clock window, if you haven't seen him yet, he's the real deal. And just talking to him, you understand why this team is galvanized around him. Same with D'Amico Ryan, their head coach. Same with Will Anderson, their third overall pick. They've got a lot of great pieces. And so do you want it to be a shootout if you're a Browns fan? Probably not. Do I want it to be a shootout as the broadcaster? Absolutely. Noah Eagle on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So you mentioned the um, just the person that is C.J. Stroud. We got to see that a bit, him being Ohio State's quarterback for uh, the previous few seasons before this one. I'm just curious, what 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 just makes him able to just step into the NFL and 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 basically look like a franchise quarterback day one? Yeah. So we asked Amico Ryan's that exact question because I think a lot of people. You know, you see rookies, even the rookies that have the best rookie seasons. And you think of Andrew Luck and Justin Herbert. You know, those are some more recent ones that just kind of took the NFL by storm once they got their opportunity. And, and even they had some moments where you're like, I don't know, you know, here and there. C.J. Stroud, the, the main takeaway to me is, yeah, he's throwing for a ton of yards and he can throw for touchdowns. It's the lack of turnovers. That is, that is astounding to lead the NFL in touchdown-to-interception ratio as a rookie. That's unheard of. That hasn't been done in decades and decades and decades since, I think, the pre-Super Bowl era. So that's, that's pretty spectacular, only five interceptions on the year. But I think more than anything, what D'Amico told us, it's the type of person he is. He carries himself with this quiet confidence. It's not cocky. It's confident. He, just, he knows that he belongs. He knows what he's capable of. He knows how he can help his team. And he just goes out there and then works hard from there. And I think he's a smart player, obviously. He's taken the time to actually sit and get to know all of the guys. And I think that's what Flacco's done 
since getting to Cleveland. You know, it's, it's the interpersonal relationships that you build that separate, that make the difference. I mean, you just look at what David Ajoko has done. I think that they've built a clear rapport very quickly. And you could say the same thing with C.J. Stroud and Dalton Schultz and C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins. And before his injury, Tank Dell. You know, he, he's taken the time to really get to know everybody, to handle himself the right way, to not go in there right away. And this was what Will Anderson had mentioned, that both of them being the two and three picks in the draft, top three picks, you can't go in there and just be rah-rah right away. You have to go in there and earn your respect. And both of those guys have clearly done that. This is the first time you and Pops have called the same game? The same NFL game, yes. Yeah. We've, we've done NBA and we've okay. done college basketball, but this is first NFL game at who, the same who, time. So who buys the dinner now that you got all this money? <laughs> <laughs> I, I might leave it to my, my spotter, Tyler Free. We'll let him buy it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go. just have him settle the score all together and – and go from there. No, it's it's going to be a blast. I'd That's say awesome. uh, the good thing for us is we don't even have to worry about it. We'll just get the press meal and feel real good about ourselves. You ever uh, try and sabotage Pops? You ever try and send him, like, fake stuff just to see if you can, like, sound a little better? You know, just have the edge in a call. Here's the, here's the thing, guys. It, it sounds great, right? In, in theory, it sounds awesome. The problem is my dad's way too smart. I mean, we're talking about a guy who skipped a grade in grade school, which most people don't know, then he got offered to skip a second grade. So he's already just naturally, he's got genius tendencies naturally, not to mention he's as meticulous of a man as I've ever met in my life. So you put those two things together, you cannot get anything past him. When I was growing up, April Fool's Day was like my Super Bowl. If I could get him on an April Fool's joke, it would make my year, and it almost never happened. And yet somehow he'd find a way to get me. So no, I can't try because I know if I do, it would be bad on the on the boomerang for me. Know thyself. That's that's very smart, Noah. I got to ask you. So we've had obviously the big news yesterday was Nick. Well, one of the big pieces of news yesterday was Nick Saban's retirement and a man that his career is closely linked to. Um, his old head coach Bill Belichick today it's announcing he and the the Patriots have parted ways. We got into a little bit of a Donnybrook earlier talking about both sets of achievements the 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 totality of Belichick's career the totality highs and lows of Saban's career and we couldn't agree on which which achievements were the more difficult achievements given the ridiculousness of them I'm just curious if you had to say Saban or Belichick which, which path was more difficult yeah I it, I would say you guys hit on it it's impossible to choose that's like choosing between your two children. You know, you love them equally, even though some people might deep down have a favorite. I would say the only thing in Saban's favor, I'll give you one stat, and then I'll give you one reason. Stat that I saw that just blew my mind. Over the course of his 17 years at Alabama, which is crazy he was there for 17 years. It feels like it was yesterday he got hired. But in his 17 years at Alabama, he had 44 first-round picks and 29 losses. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. He had more first-round draft picks than losses in nearly two decades on campus. And by the way, of those 29 losses, I think seven of them were his first year. So after his first year, it was, it was just sustained excellence. Now, for Belichick, and, and this is where I think the only difference between the two in how they did sustained excellence, Belichick had Brady for two decades out of his time in, in New England. Nick Saban had to go with a new quarterback, new defensive players. He had coaches in and out. He had coordinators in and out. He had turnover, and that's what college sports is. 
So I think it's probably more difficult to sustain success in college sports. However, I will say at the same time, it's more difficult to have top-tier talent every single year that's so much better than everybody else in the NFL, which Belichick, quite frankly, really didn't have. And it makes his coaching job that much better versus Saban having that top-tier talent. He had the top recruits coming in every year. So you can make the, the, the decision on either side. I just do think that having one constant and having the greatest quarterback of all time under center for that long certainly helps, and you can't say Saban ever had that. We're going to clip that and send it to Bill Belichick, so good luck on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk to this guy anymore. <laughs> Noah, great stuff, man. Happy to have you on the call. Happy to have Pops on the call as well this weekend. Uh, we, we'll enjoy it, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a Browns win. <laughs> if you can get that for us, it'd be real nice. Yeah, listen, I, I have no possible any sort of pressure or ability on the outcome. I do. I'm starting to believe a little bit more on the broadcaster's jinx. I didn't for a long time, and now I've, I've said things too often where they happen. So I, I will use my powers only for good. That's all I can promise you guys. Well, you call us a good Buckeye game against Notre Dame. So bring us another <laughs> That is true. That is true. No, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Noah. You know, we kind of asked about Flacco magic, and – it's just funny, like, you know, we'll, we'll get more into the Flacco side of this as the show goes on, but I just think it's it's wild that you go into this game, and honestly, if if all he does, and this is this is not meant, it's like, oh, we only did that. If all he does is what he did the last five games for the Browns when he was starting, I think you win this game, and I think you win this game, not comfortably, but... I don't, I don't think maybe we're sweating it to the final minute or two of this game. Like, I think some expect this game to be the closest in the AFC. Well, spread-wise, it's definitely the closest. Um, I, I think it's obviously going to come down to to the fourth quarter, which most people think that it will. And what's wor- what worries me a little bit is, I never thought I'd say this, but, I mean, not having Hopkins, man. Hopkins? Our kicker? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I was thinking Nuke Hopkins for a second. Um, yeah. I mean, the kicker thing worries well, me. He, but he never played for us. But like, I, I guess if it comes down to a fifty-yard field goal or longer, I will be worried. But like, Riley Patterson was pretty good from pretty good up till about fifty. He got fired because the extra points. Like, I, I, to me, I'm more in this game. I'm just more worried about that pass rush getting to Joe. Because I think this game has a chance to be Joe Flacco's best game. Because that defense is, it is Will Anderson, it's Grenard. Uh, Jerry Hughes is out, by the way. That was uh, kind of happened during the middle of our uh, talk with Noah. And I, I think, you know, I think for the rest of the season, I think for the rest of the postseason, I think this run is about the Browns defense. And when we asked, when we asked Noah Eagle, well, is this game, so differentiating the game from the run, if is this game more about Flacco or is it the Browns defense? He said he thinks the entire run is about the Browns defense. This game's the anomaly to me. I think this is a game where this sets up to be the easiest defense Joe Flacco is going to play in the entirety of the playoffs. Um, even with Grenard and, and Anderson, even with Derek Stingley, even with um, Jalen Petrie, They've got a lot of just guys. They got a lot of Jags on the rest of that roster. Mm-hmm. Guys like Denzel Perryman, who've been around the NFL forever, who are who are experienced players, but well past their expiration date. And so, this is not. And I, I want to be clear. It's I don't factor this in because of what he did against the Texans three weeks ago. 
Because this is a different defense with Anderson and Grenard. Right. But I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to make big plays down the field. So even – I think this is the rare game where Joe could throw an interception or two, and it's not going to kill you. Because I think there's going to be consistent opportunities down the field, and I think Joe's going to be able to make the most of those given his kind of experience in the NFL. I, I mean, think this can, game is can, about can, Joe Flacco. Can he have a game like Josh Allen had where he threw two picks, but then they came back? And he threw two touchdowns. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we get a nice play on special teams like the Bills got. I mean, you never know how these things are could go. I mean, punting, field position, that's going to be huge. But Jorquez is healthy now, so that's that's a big benefit for the Browns. Specific to either, the, uh, either Flacco or the defense, specific to this game, what is this game more about? Uh, to me, it's about the defense, you know, and, and can they create pressure against – uh, C.J. Stroud. I mean, that's that's the thing. All year, C.J. Stroud has really struggled against the Blitz. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, he's one of the worst in the NFL against the Blitz. Um, Flacco is actually one of the best against against pressure. So that's that's something that's going to be be interesting to see. Can the Brown and they they, they should, you know, that the, he uh, Noah said it best. I mean, their two tackles versus our two ends, and vice versa, is going to be vital to see who can sort of hold up in this game. See, I think you can beat them with pressure, and I think you can beat them, and this is the extremes, right? You can beat them with either great pressure or great coverage. And I think when it comes offensively, I, I don't – I actually wouldn't surprise me if the Browns tried to run more in this given the success uh, other teams have had against the, the Texans here in recent years. Mm -hmm. But I think your most logical place to beat the Texans is through the air. And – through those deep passes and kind of pinning them on their ears. I think this is a game where Joe Flacco unlocks the rest of the offense by early in this game, connecting with Amari Cooper, connecting with Elijah Moore in this game. I think I think that the the offense or sorry, the defense versus CJ is gonna be a series to series, back and forth. Even if you feel like you got him cornered, he's always gonna have a chance. But I think with Joe getting that momentum, getting some points on the board early, being able to just make big plays down the field. I don't know that and and I, I this is a tough thing to say because Nico Collins is a is is a big play waiting to happen. But I see the Browns being able to shut down CJ to 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 Nico Collins. I don't see this the the Texans being able to consistently shut down Joe Flacco to Amari to Njoku or to uh, to Elijah Elijah Moore. I just don't. Like I I think if you're going to win, if you're going to win comfortably, it starts with Joe Flacco. If you're going to win, the, I mean the, the point is, I think you can win with either good Joe Flacco and elite defense or elite Joe Flacco and good defense. But I think elite Joe Flacco and good defense, you win by by a country mile. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd say, too, is like Flacco did face this defense. I know, I know Stroud didn't play in that game, but Flacco definitely had some success against those guys. Will Anderson didn't play in that game, though, right? Uh, I think it was Grenard that didn't play in the, in the first game. Yeah, okay. the first game. I, I forget. But uh, either way, the point is the defense is, is mostly going to be the same. And so Flacco pretty much tore him up. <laughs> You know, um, put up 37 points. And by the way, neither did Will. No, so neither of yeah. the edge rushers. Yeah. It was like Jerry Hughes, and I can't remember the the fourth edge rusher they had. 216-474-0092. So as we have the conversation about this Texans game, is this 
Is this is this specific game? Is this specific weekend about Joe and Joe Flacco being Magic Joe, or is this more about the defense? And I'll be honest with you, I think this is the last one. I think every game after this, the defense is going to have to be the defense and the defense of the first 10, 10 weeks. You know, back to that Hopkins thing for just a second. Wouldn't it be ironic if not? This is I'm not trying to be negative here, mm-hmm. but in that Texans game. He got hurt on that kickoff return against the Texans. Yeah, and if we we lose by a field goal by Patterson, oh my God, it's gonna it's gonna kill Browns fans. You think? I think people. I don't want to say will people turn would would people turn against Dustin Hopkins? But like, I think there'd be some hard feelings there about hey man, next time maybe make the uh, the business decision. I think I think kickers, unless you're like right there and I have a chance to make like a almost like a soccer style tackle. Just just stay out of the way. Do the right thing. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I mean, they don't even wear shoulder pads. It's funny. I think a league average kicker, maybe oh, we say different. But, allegedly, but shoulder pads. But the guy who probably should have been the Pro Bowl representative for the AFC, Dustin Hopkins, yeah. maybe next time. I thought it was interesting when when Stefanski's like, well, we don't want to tell people not to compete. And I was like, isn't that yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah, you said t- about t- Deshaun Watson and then Deshaun went out there and didn't protect himself and got hurt again? Maybe we should tell people, hey, let's compete smart. Let's, let, let's just go out there. Let's compete our asses off. But let's just make the smart decision. I, I just feel like when you're on a ki- your kickoff covers team, it's, t- it's 10 on 11. We are now going to welcome in one of our favorite guests every single week. He joins us usually at Thursday at uh, at five twenty, but today we're bumping him up to four forty. Albert Breer of the Monday Morning Quarterback on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Albert, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey guys, what's up? Well, I I actually want to start with the Belichick thing, even though we got the playoffs this weekend. Because I'm just curious. It felt like felt like both sides tried to make it work. What what inevitably brought down the Bill Belichick Robert Kraft relationship that where they announced the parting of ways today? <laughs> I don't know if they tried to make it work. I think they tried to make it look like they tried to make it work when this thing has probably been over for a couple months now. Um, You know, they played okay down the stretch, and they beat the Broncos, and they beat the Steelers, and um, they showed up well against the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, who will, you know, be playing in the playoffs this weekend. And, um, you know, I, I remember being asked about a month ago, is there anything Bill can do to save himself? And I said no. And the reason why is I don't think coaching his way through the first month, last month of the season and coaching him, coaching his team to a couple wins was going to make much of a difference because I don't think the problem was ever coaching. I think the problem was everything else. I think the problem was 
the staffing. I think the problem was filling the roster, um, and they weren't going to do anything over the last month of the season that was going to prove that he could fix that. And so, um, you know, I, I think that this is sort of where they are right now, um, and their development of people has not gone the same way over the last five years that it went over the first 20. Um, and, you know, like that's left them with a head coach who can still really coach, but sort of a, a shell of an operation around him. And um, that's why this is the right time for them to hit reset. And look, like I think Bill is probably going to take a lot from, you know, what happened and how this happened and how this played out and um, apply it to wherever his next job is, Atlanta or wherever else. I think it would have been really, really hard to do that if he had stayed in the same place, and I think that that's why this needed to happen the way that it happened. Who's the next coach of the Patriots? It's Rod Mayo, I think, think would be my guess. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, Dustin, I just think, look, he's a really bright, you know, coaching prospect. Um, I think he has a lot of the same strengths that D'Amico Ryans and Mike Frabel and Dan Campbell have as ex-players. You know, not only is he a good leader with skins in the wall, capable of galvanizing the room. He's also whip smart the way those other guys are, you know? And so, like, I think, um, you know, like, it's one of those things where it's like, is it a year early? Maybe. But, you know, people would have said the same thing about Sean McVay and how did that turn out, you know? So I think if you're Robert Kraft, you trust what you've sort of, you know, tried to develop in the last couple of years as a eventual successor to Belichick. Um, do I think they'll kick the tires on Vrabel? Yeah. I don't know that Vrabel would necessarily go there um, if he had multiple choices. You know, I, I know Mike Revere is that place, but, you know, replacing Belichick's a tall order for anybody. Um, so, um, yeah, I think Gerard Mayo is the, the, the likely successor to Belichick. Albert, where are the most likely landing spots for Mike Vrabel and Jim Harbaugh? So I'm going to say I'm Vrabel Vegas. And the reason I say that, so I think Tom Brady is going to have a say in, um, in the way this goes. And, um, you know, Brady was actually at the Raiders practice on Friday. It was the first time he'd been around, at least according to the people I talked to, um, going back to since Josh McDaniels was fired. So, you know, I think a lot of people there took note of that. And does this mean he's going to be involved in the coaching search? I think he will. Um, you know, he hasn't, you know, the, 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 the sale of a piece of the team to him isn't final. It's something that's been debated a lot in, you know, in, in, in NFL circles and, um, you know, these owners meetings and everything else. Um, Brady is not getting involved. So he won't be involved. He's getting involved to be involved. And so I, I think he will have a say, and he is as close to Mike Vrabel as, as I think anybody in the league right now. And so I could see Vrabel looking at that and saying there's a chance to, to go and, 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 and work with somebody I really, you know, love and um, with a roster that's not totally broken and in a place where I'm going to be able to shape it in my own image. Uh, you know, as for Harbaugh, I think the Chargers are the most likely scenario. Um, that team is – and that ownership group is very sensitive to the perception that they're cheap. They're sensitive to the perception that they um, are irrelevant in L.A. And I think – Hiring Jim Harbaugh addresses both of those things emphatically. And um, for Harbaugh, it's a chance to go to a roster that's ready to win right now with a quarterback that you can win with for a, a long period of time. And, um, and, in a, and in a place in California where, you know, he does have some roots. Now, um, they aren't in Los Angeles, but, you know, he did go to high school in California. He did 
play as a player in California. He did coach in you know three different spots in California, in Oakland, and San Francisco, and and San Diego. And so um, I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to wind up with the Chargers. Albert, you talk to as many people around the NFL as anyone we know. What are people around the league talking about with this Browns Texans game? I, I think it's just I I actually think. Um, it's as interesting a game as there is on the board in the first weekend outside of maybe like, you know, Stafford going back to Detroit, which is fascinating for a lot of reasons. That one should be a good one. Um, I, I love the Browns-Texans matchup because on one side you have a Texans team that was about as dead as they come as an NFL franchise goes a year ago. But can you imagine me telling you one year ago today that you would be looking at the Texans and say, there might not be five teams where I would trade their future for the Texans' future right now, right? You could probably say that about the Texans based on their head coach, based on their quarterback, just based on where they're at. Um, you know, so you have that. And then on the other side, you have a team that is on its fourth and fifth tackle, on its fourth and fifth safety, on its fourth quarterback. Um, it's just I think the matchup is compelling for so many different reasons. I can't wait to watch it. and um, I – I know what the Cleveland and Houston markets are, what they are, and everything else. Um, but it, it to me is not like, I, for me at least, it's not the the the, the game you throw in that four thirty on Saturday time slot like they did. Albert, you, you know, you talk about Flacco and, and the things that he's done this season. It's been he's four and one as a starter and had all you know all these yep. three hundred plus yard games and things like that. I mean. How confident should we be in Flacco? I mean, the guy's Mr. January. At least he was. He hasn't played in a playoff game in a long yeah. time, but has a chance to, to overtake uh, Tom Brady for the most road playoff wins ever. You know what I love about the Flacco story, Dustin, is I, I almost feel like it's a testament to not giving a bleep what anybody else thinks. You know what I mean? Like, I think the whole thing is like, I mean, it's a guy who's now 38 years old, who, you know, I'm sure has already come to come to terms with his legacy as a football player and doesn't have anything left to prove, and he's just going out there and playing. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that, to me, plays right into what his strength was. You know, back, um, back when he was having all that playoff success was that um, while he may not have been the greatest regular season quarterback ever, like, he's one of these guys who was unaffected by the stakes. You know what I mean? Like, so – you have this guy who has a history of being unaffected by the stakes, right? Like he'll go in and he'll play the same in January as, as if it were October. And, um, and I oftentimes think that's what it is with athletes. It's not elevating your game. It's being able to maintain your game um, when the stakes are really high. And then, you know, I, I, I think then, then the add to that, this whole like, well, I don't care what anyone thinks of me anymore element to it and um i would have a lot of confidence that joe's gonna play well i would say on saturday doesn't mean he's gonna win the game but i think he'll put up put a good performance out there albert considering two of the longest tenured head coaches in the nfl uh were were just uh, let go by their teams i'm curious is there a path here is there an opportunity for teams like the browns to move up in the uh, the, the pantheon of NFL teams, given what is now a relative lack of stability across the NFL. Sure. Well, the first thing I would probably do if I were the Browns this offseason is extend Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski because I think you know what we've seen is um, you know, what those programs show, what like the Seahawks and Patriots show, 
is a, the, the advantage that stability gives you, you know? And you look at, like, the Ravens and John Harbaugh and the Steelers and, and Mike Tomlin and how they've ridden out bumps, and it's benefited them. The Steelers once did that with Bill Cowher. There was pressure on them at one point to get rid of Bill Cowher, and then he got in stale, and they won a Super Bowl after that. So, you know, I think you see the value of stability in some of these programs, and you have a group that you really like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think the strength of the program that A.B. And, and Kevin have built there is apparent in the way that you've listed all the injuries this year. And, um, you know, so I, I, I really look at it like, you know, the, yes, there's an opportunity for them to, to, to move up a notch in the NFL hierarchy and be a team that's a perennial playoff team. Now, I, I think any of us would be blind not to think, like, what happens with Deshaun Watson long-term is is not going to have some isn't, isn't going to have a, a big big impact on on whether that happens or not. But I think a lot of other things are set up there for them to keep winning and for them to keep moving up in the NFL hierarchy. And again, whether or not they're able to put it over the top, I think really rides on whether we ever see the Deshaun Watson of you know twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty again. Albert, uh, it's been a productive week for the Buckeyes. Denzel Burke, Emeka Abuka, on top of Jack Sawyer, Donovan Jackson, Tyleek Williams, the only guy going to the NFL of note uh, from last year so far is Marvin Harrison Jr. Does this make you feel better about Ryan Day's potential last stand? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I think they're acting with urgency now. I'm sure part of it is that the alumni um, has been, I think, fired up by um, – by, by this feeling like the 90s again, and I don't think anybody wants it to feel like the 90s again um, when it comes to the rivalry and everything else. And so, um, you know, I, I think sometimes it takes some things like what we've seen the last couple of years to really kind of get people involved again. And, um, you know, I hope that this is a step towards Ohio State acting like, you know, and, and operating like it should, which is like the Yankees. Right, like like the Yankees of college athletics, because that's what Ohio State should be, based on the alumni base, the money, everything else. And so, I, I think that that's what we're seeing right now is, you know, what happens when you light a fire under a few people, and um, it's good to see. And I'm excited to see what all these, well, all the guys coming back means. You know, it, the most interesting part about it, guys, to me, is how like you know different teams are allotting their money different ways, right? Like, so some are spending the transfer portal. Some are spending on recruits. Some are spending on retention. You know, and I think that that's sort of where Ohio State's gone is they've spent a lot of their money on retention. And uh, ultimately, like however this looks five years from now, it seems to me like that's the most sustainable strategy because you know there are a lot of other schools where you know this recruit got paid, so this guy's jumping in the transfer portal because he's not getting what this recruit is getting or that transfer is getting. Um, I am encouraged by some of the things we're seeing, and I think the strategy that they're using, too, is, is one that makes sense. Albert, you're the best, buddy. Appreciate you, and hopefully next week we're talking about the Browns in the divisional round. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.